Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Hi, my name is Yitzi, and I'm a sexaholic. So thank you, everyone, for uh, whoever's on this meeting. And I want to just ask God to come in here to be with me in my heart and my mind and to let me speak the words of my truth, no matter how much I don't like it. And, uh, you know, and to realize that of myself, I'm nothing. I was how God, I'm lost. And uh, I just want to start off by saying that I have no idea what I'm going to say today, and I did not prepare and like I heard from a good from uh, from one of my most favorite AA speakers, um, that he said after a talk, someone asked him how his talk was. He said, "I don't know. I wasn't there." So that's what I try being. I try not being part of my talk. I try just letting God talk through me. And usually for me, I I I, I usually listen to my own books, and I'm amazed by what comes out because it didn't come from me anyway. And that's not out of ego, that's out of humility. I'm just letting God talk through me. Um, so anyway, I'll just quickly, for those who don't know much about me, um, I'll just very much qualify and I, I try not to, I'm going to try to mainly focus on what it's like now. I'm going to go very, very quickly into what, what, what I was like before. So like before I came to SA, my parents were divorced, my mother got remarried, my stepfather rejected me, and he still does to this day. And um, I came into SA, I'm single, never been married, never been really in a real, like, intimate relationship. Um, but I have acted out with men, with women, and I, I even, it got worse in recovery because, like, some people say, unfortunately, what happens is when you come into the room, this disease is progressive, and what happens is um, I get ideas. I'm not blaming anyone. It's just my disease. But I get ideas from other people about what they shared about, like going to prostitutes or something that I never thought that I would have the courage to do. And once the stigma of, like, the oh, my God, and religiosity that was kind of, uh, you know, associated with it was taken away, it basically, you know, it was something that once once I started, I, I, like, wasn't able to stop, and I became manic and crazy, and I was on antidepressants. And um, basically... So I struggled around in SA for a good, like, year and a half, too. Like, I started off, I got sober after uh, a month. I got, like, a month of sobriety, then I lost it, and I got four months. After those four months, I, when I slipped, you know, this disease is progressive, and I wasn't able to get more, like, meaning I needed something more that, than, than what was happening. I would get myself sometimes a week, sometimes two weeks, or sometimes three weeks. And I was always doing great, and then boom, the the you know the 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 disease would come with glory, and I would be totally powerless. I didn't have the power. And um, and what happens is, I forgot to say, my sobriety date is July twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. Only by the grace of God. 
And the more, the more I realize it, that it's only by the grace of God, the more I realize that I'm not involved. I do not keep myself sober, not today, not yesterday, and not any day of my life. I never kept myself sober. I do some action, and uh, God, the God of my understanding, uh, you know, hopefully the more I, the more I uh, work on that relationship with him throughout the day, throughout my time in, in recovery, I... I um you know he the gift he gives me is he gives me not only he gives me sobriety he gives me emotional sobriety and a bunch of other things um that's in short whatever that's a short what I was like before I was a mess I was full of self pity I didn't really have a place to call home um now more or less I live I live on my own for the past year I'm able to successfully pay rent most of uh, most of the time over the past couple of months. I didn't have to. In the beginning, I had to borrow from people and uh, sometimes to help pay my rent. And then um, I still owe some uh, two people from that, and I'm in the middle of paying them back. But um, I'm more or less responsible. I live on my own. And, and um, you know, life, life is amazing. I have a job, and I go to school. I'm in school full-time, so I don't make it to night meetings, which maybe over the summer I'll start going to. I wish I could go to more meetings. I love meetings. Meetings are not open. Meetings are a place for me to just be able to share a message of hope with the newcomer. And, uh, yeah, so anyway. Um, so what exactly happened? So what happened was originally I went through the 12 steps of the sponsor. I'm not going to go into all the details before and after and everything. And then what happened was I got arrogant. And like I shared before, I got arrogant and I, I didn't um, – I didn't like different messages I was hearing and different people in in my um, home group were, were controlling to some extent, and they were negative, and they basically they didn't kick me out, but they basically ignored me out, and some of them. And I got very bitter about that. I got very bitter about my stepfather rejecting me and all that stuff. So what happened was I, and, and whatever, for a while, like, I didn't get sober until July 24th, um, the most time I had after those four months was like three and a half months, and those those were after I did the steps. And then once I slipped there, that's when I started going to prostitutes and, and, and stuff like that. And um, anyway, but back to back to um, this. So I'll basically say I'll start off with something that someone told me yesterday, and he also told to me a few months ago. But my, I, but um, he told me that there are certain members of my home group that were that are either sober for a while or whatever, but they struggle a lot. And he basically, he, this person that I know, he says he, he respects me a lot, and he says they don't um, uh, want to call me, but he, says, he tells me that their ego, unfortunately, doesn't allow them to call me. And I said I could only feel bad for them because I would never judge anyone. I never, you know, I've been there, I've been through the hell, and I would never judge anyone, you know what I mean? And I sometimes shake my head kind of when I hear an old timers who they share about what their experience, what their what their opinion of relapse is when they've never had it. It's something that I don't know. Like who are you to one one of the things I respected from one of the old timers that I heard is that I asked him something about relapse, he says he has no experience because he's never had it. And that's something I respected more than all the suggestions that other old timers gave me, the guys that came in and got sober. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying that they don't they they share past their experience for some reason because I don't I don't share I try not to share past my own experience. I mean, 
and I, don't, I try not to give opinions on what the program is and isn't. I try to more or less um, follow mainly what the big book says, and I do incorporate some stuff from the white book, but mainly, I'm mainly, I'm main, I mainly focus on the big book. For me now, maybe later in my recovery, I will focus um, on the white book and other stuff as well. But anyway, but um, but basically, so in regard to that, so I, my response to him was, well, maybe they don't realize. I think I'm just a run-of-the-mill guy who had a bit of an issue and blah, blah. So I sent them, like, a whole text, which I sent to, like, a recovery email group that I'm part of in the end, in the end of that. I just sent a text, just like a rundown, that if you want to send this to, to these people, you know, to, to realize I'm not just your regular run-of-the-mill guy. I've struggled, and they don't remember I struggled in that for over a year and a half or two until I got sober. And um, anyway, um, so so what's my life like today? I keep like going back and forth, but I don't know. I'm just gonna go with the flow, whatever, wherever it takes me. So my life like today is, like I said, I'm in school, at, at work. I've made probably, uh, I'm I'm saying at work, I made a whole bunch of amends to coworkers. I need to still make amends. To my boss. I don't know if it will happen. Today or tomorrow, I'll have, uh, I'll have to see, but it's on the top of my head. That, that Once I sat down and wrote an inventory on why I resentful with him, I'm like, hey, I screwed him over pretty bad, and I owe him an amend. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so I'm, to some extent, I'm fearless today. It's an amazing place to be. I'm absolutely fearless. I could say in this moment I fear nothing. And at this moment, I, I could say I kind of resent nothing. I have two resentments that I'm in the middle of writing out. Other than that, I don't really have any fears of resentments that I that I have on the forefront. Um, like in in regard to lust, I have this very weird phenomenon. It's like it doesn't. It's not something I could explain. It's something that baffles me. It's just the grace of God that I could see this pretty woman or whatever it is, and um. And what happens is, instead of my mind going and needing to look, is I turn the other way and I just, it's okay, it's fine, it's a big deal. It's a big deal that she looks attractive, you know, God bless her, and I move on with my day. I don't really, for me, I don't really, like, find the need to surrender it. Like, it's just, it's just, I don't even remember it sometimes until the next time I'm at a meeting and I, and people are just sharing about lust, and that's when I remember it. Like for whatever, sometimes that could be a week. I don't know. I try to, I recently over the past couple of months, um, maybe it was two, three months, it started bothering me that I didn't actually have a home group. I was going to specific meetings, but well, I didn't have a specific, I, didn't, I mean, I, I wasn't going to one consistently, and that bothered me. So someone gave me a suggestion that they were looking for, that they were looking for a chairperson for one of the meetings, and I started leading that meeting, and that became my home group. And um, whatever that was. And then basically, um, you know, so I started attending that meeting. And that was my main meeting. I had other meetings. And a lot of times when I go to a meeting sometimes, and for some reason people gravitate toward me. And I don't, I mean, maybe I'm not part of any clique. Or if used to be part of some, some clique that people have. Anyway, I don't know why I'm getting into that. But back to um back to back to my life. Um so basically in regard to my um in regard to where I'm at. So financially, um I have enough money for what I need. I'm not going to the convention because my sponsor uh um I'm out financial amends and what came to me in meditation before I go to my sponsor, what came to me in meditation and meditation happens when Yitzi tries to 
to shut out Yitzhi's mind and to listen to what God has to say instead. And usually I find stuff about myself that I didn't realize, and every couple of days I have these cool, like, epiphanies and these things that I start using differently in my recovery and different ideas, and I keep growing in this, in this area of understanding and, and, and a spiritual understanding to effectively use the program to, to, really, to really permeate every area of my life. But basically, it came to me in meditation that I'm in the middle of financial amends. I have probably $25,000 or so worth of amends. Could be more. And, uh, and I'm in the middle of making the amends. So I don't belong going to a convention that's going to be somewhere roughly between seven and $700,000 of money that doesn't belong to me and should be paid back to other people. And it, and it would be one thing if I needed the fellowship, you know. If I needed... If I'm, but thank God, I'm in an amazing place. I already had a couple of um, um, a couple of months ago, three and a half months ago or so. I uh, I was very I was sick. I first had the flu, and when I recovered from the flu, I got sinus infection. I was sick straight for two and a half weeks, and I wasn't able to make it to any meeting. I was maybe on one or two phone meetings, maybe one of these phone meetings. I think um, I think that was the la- I think that was the in January when I spoke. That was five months ago. Wow, I didn't realize how long ago. Yeah, I remember. I was like just coming off that that, um, you know, um, that I was just coming off those sicknesses. And I hadn't been to a meeting in like two and a half weeks, but my emotional state was, be- was, was perfect because I was doing inventory. I was working with Spencer as much time as I could, even though I was weak. So I would sometimes have only strength to talk to him for 15 or 20 minutes, and then I would have to rest or sit down and, and like watch a TV show and fall asleep or something like that just to, just because I, I, I was overexerting myself. I couldn't do more than 15, 20 minutes. But I did what I could. I Sometimes I meditated a good part, of the, a long part of that day because I wasn't at work and I wasn't really leaving the house. I was weak. I, some days I couldn't even get out of bed. I was like barely. I was maybe 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. I would like get out of bed, go downstairs and, and eat something. Like a lot of times I was just weak and I couldn't get out of bed. But I wasn't depressed. I wasn't. I was happy. I was like, God, this is part of your plan, and I don't know why this is part of your plan, and it's none of my business why this is part of your plan, but this is part of your plan. And this is, you know, anyway, so, um, you know, that, this, is, this is what I got to do. What I had to do was look at the day ahead. What could I do this, what could I do this day? And I started slowly also getting involved. I don't know why, um, like, a couple of, uh, probably almost a, a little less than a year ago, I guess, Around the time I got sober, I got involved with certain Facebook groups, recovery in SA and CODA, not SA, AA and CODA and like CANA, whatever. And what I started doing, I mean, I would share there as well, and they had topics, and I would share on that. And sometimes I would basically find um, people just from the comments or their posts that they were reaching out. There were men, women, didn't make a difference. I would private message them, and I would try to hook them up with a sponsor in their area. I know certain people in certain areas. And I've, I don't know how many people I've helped, but I've definitely helped a lot of people, um, thank God, just by, by doing this. It's not something that would have came from my own selfish head. So anyway, I, um, so that, but it, back to the thing where I started this financially. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing amazing. I have more money than what I need, and the man I uh, try to, you know, keep a balance in regard to what I spend. 
I mean, I'm getting a little better at that, being a little more mindful about what I spend. Thank God I'm not, uh, like those are on the WhatsApp group I shared today about how I'm not that much of a neither of new things. The only thing I find that I have an obsessive need for is new recovery literature. I love reading. And, uh, yeah, like I want to keep buying books and whatever. And uh, slowly, I mean, I mean, over time, like my, my favorite book after the big book is called The Little Red Book. And then, um, then the AA history books, AA Comes of Age, Pass It On, and, and Bob and the Good Old Timers, those are my three favorites, etc. But um, anyway, my point is I, I try not to, not to spend too much. You know, my, my sponsor, I think, has this rule that if, um, you know, if I'm a little financial amends, then I can't spend more than, 200, I think, $200 without, like, checking it in with someone. He has the rule generally. Thank you. Um, yeah, so basically, as a, so, so back to that, so basically the, once I realized that the money is not mine, I just asked my sponsor and he said, no, I can't go. But there was another spiritual retreat, not AA, but recovery-related, whatever that I want to go to that's, that's in another, like, two weeks. And I already had paid money. And my sponsor said I could go, I guess, because I'd already given my deposit or whatever it was. Happens to be I'm doing some kind of religious service there. And based on that and preparation that I have to, uh, you know, take care of for that, the, the, the director that uh, thing told me that I don't have to pay and he's going to pay me something as well because he's paying me for my time. So either way, there's that. Um, I just, I'll just um, quickly put in a couple little points. So a good part of my program is realizing my codependency and giving it up to God. The only way I was able to realize my codependency for me was to um, was to actually work the steps on codependency. So thank God, whatever. When I worked, the, like I said before, I worked the steps and got sober, and then I relapsed and I got arrogant and whatever. But I'd already I'd already um, been been exposed to real recovery. I'd already experienced real serenity for a while. Maybe it didn't last because I got arrogant again. But one thing I knew that when I realized I had a problem with codependency, is I didn't go to a CODA meeting. I actually went to my first CODA meeting when I was step nine in CODA. Um, and, uh, yeah, and basically I got a sponsor and started, I started uh, immediately working the steps with this sponsor. And it wasn't easy. And I started with one sponsor. I had to change to another, whatever it was, part of my journey. And um, I don't know if it's a test of my willingness, but I don't, I don't know today and I don't care today. Um, but basically I, I um, had... You know, I, I, this, this sponsor that took me through the steps for CODA took me through in like three and a half weeks. And I had an amazing spiritual awakening then. And that was about August 1st or whatever. So I was a couple of days sober when I did my fourth and fifth step for CODA. And, uh, and basically I, sorry, basically I, I, from from there, as I kept like being sober in the emotional sense, I started realizing more and more how codependency is was like a strong control. And then after a while, I got to a I was just I wasn't really being sponsored for 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 a while. I was working with someone in that before I got sober, and then when I got sober, I had such an amazing spiritual awakening. I was a little already my friend. I told that essay sponsor that I don't really. I'm not really willing to spend the time. I told them honestly, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to be, I don't want to be like a drag along spency. I wanted to be honest. So I told them, I don't think this. It was great that we worked and whatever. He was a great sponsor. 
But I basically dropped him. I told him that I don't need it, and I was right. I mean, I wasn't willing. Because what happened was once I started, once I got to basically finish the steps in Coda, so I started working with people in Coda, and I, I worked with a whole bunch of people and Coda and I say, and I was I was I was busy whenever whatever spare time that I had that I wasn't, you know, that I wasn't at that point I wasn't yet in school, but any spare time I had. I was working with with, with uh, newcomers, and I, you know, and I had a lot of amazing experiences with that. But but I was going for a while without actually a sponsor. I mean, I had this person that sponsored me that I was checking in with. I had other people say that I was checking in with. I'm not saying I wasn't 100% accountable, but I didn't really have like someone an actual specific sponsor. I don't know exactly. I didn't feel like I was lost. Wherever wherever it was, and then at some point I started listening to. Uh, well, first someone hooked me up with, uh, with, with a guy with a lot of years of sobriety and a, a great, amazing guy. And we just, we used to, like, check in with each other. I would check in stuff with him. But we never really, for some reason, got to work in the steps. I don't know why. It's just not the way, uh, it's not the way we had it, we, we started off. I don't know. And, and I'm not even sure. What? Um, I'm not even sure you know, why that, why that was, but whatever it was, after working with him for like two months, I start, I, I listened to a lot of speaker tapes, probably over the past, um, probably my first two months of sobriety, I probably listened to a few hundred speaker tapes, I was, I, I was I'm, I'm a junkie, my current sponsor, who's AA, but he has some um, sponsees in SA that are sober many years, he's worked with people from all kinds of fellowships, I basically got him off a speaker tape, I started listening to a tape, an AA, and he was in it was a workshop on step one, and it wasn't about drinking; it was about the unmanageability of life, living it sober, and it was really, it was really, really powerful. Um, there's two people, my sponsor and this other guy, um, and basically he, basically once I finished that recording, I was I, I got the rest of the workshop and I listened to. It. By the time I, I got to the end of the workshop, I loved everything that these people said. And I was like, wow, I really want this. And I knew that one of them passed away. He's my favorite AA speaker of all time, Mark Houston. He had passed away in 2010. And, um, but I knew that this other guy, Dave, he's still around, and I could work with him. And I called, I called up someone who, was at the, who I knew was at that conference, an AA guy, and I asked him for Dave's number, and I called up Dave, and I started working with him. And I've been working with Dave for about, like, uh, um, since I'm five and a half months sober, so a little lower, probably around five and a half, six months. And I went through this, he took me through the steps again, very, very like old school, very like old school AA, like our steps one and two took us 40 minutes. Steps three and four took us about 45 minutes. Steps, and then he outlined to me step four. Step four took me about weeks to write. Step five, uh, sorry, a week and a half, including four days of holiday that I didn't do any writing for religious reasons. And then, then with step uh, step five took about an hour, and that's basically where we're at. Once we finished my step five, he already gave me in the beginning instructions for 10 and 11, which is prayer, meditation, and creating a vision of God's will for my day. And um, and step 12, he gave me snippets along the line, and that's mainly what he's there for now for me. I mean, I'm in the middle of my amends. I've made so far probably around 80 amends, and I still have like 40 left. And uh, something like that. It's amazing how someone so young, I'm 25 years old, could have so many amends to make. It's amazing for me to see that I'm a tornado roaring my way through the lives of others. 
That's simply what I am. Anyone I bump into with my disease, they're going to get hurt one way or the other. There's no way. There, I don't think there are any relationships that I really had a good relationship over a serious period of time that I didn't have to make amends one way or the other. And now that I'm speaking, I'm realizing there are probably more that I just didn't realize that I have to sit down and think about if I owe them an amend. But basically, um, yeah, so I just want to, I want to just, I want to I close off with, with what just happened to me over the past week. Um, actually, two things. One thing that happened to me like three weeks ago, and one thing that happened the last week. I'm mean, trying to make it very quick. So, a few weeks ago, my mother found. My mother knows that I'm in recovery, but she doesn't know details. She's very much, uh, so probably Alan S and on Coda herself. And uh, saying that probably to be polite, but um, you know, um, but basically, she, uh, you know, the, the the miracle is that I that I forgot to say before. In these past ten months, I hadn't had any resentment towards my stepfather, which is amazing. Since I did the steps for CODA, I was freed from that resentment. I never came back to bite me again. I just don't expect from him to what he's not capable of, that's all. Um, so, um, so basically my mother found out some stuff from someone who didn't belong telling it to her in the first place. This other person thought she knew. And what happened was my mother came and lashed out at me and brought up all the old stuff, and like I, my, my, my first reaction was I got a little fearful, and, and I was okay. I was like caught totally off guard. My mother was like told to me and very like, you know, this is wrong and whatever, and you, know, you think just that you're in recovery and everything's okay, and you know, it's going to take a long time to heal, blah, blah, blah. And the point, whatever, first I tried defending myself and saying that, uh, explaining the disease, explaining that I did my, my part to try to clean up what I could and there's nothing more that I could do. And if there's anything more that I could do for her, then I'll be glad to. But then um, when she basically called me out and, then I, and I apologized, I said it was wrong of me to, that's basically what I said over the phone to her. I was speaking on the phone to her. I was at work, at a break at work. And that's when we spoke. And she said uh, something along the lines of, um, I basically I told her something and it was wrong of me to say that. I said I got afraid, and I was, and I was, um, I was, you know, just nervous, etc. And, and whatever. And then I asked her to let me just speak, and just listen for a few. If she could just listen for a few minutes, and then you know, we could have like a conversation. And basically, after I hung up with her, I was perfectly okay. She didn't bring up any more guilt and shame that, you know, it didn't, she didn't phase me by bringing up stuff that I, that I did in the past or anything like that. You know, I, I, I became free. She's talking to someone who died. About 10 months ago, there's a Yitzi who died. And she's talking to him, and there's no one home. Um, but basically what I did was I did an inventory on my mother, because I'm a human being, so I brought stuff up. And what, the other thing I did was I called my, I called them, um, I called someone and I made sure that I don't owe her an amends for this and I don't owe the other person who got involved any amends. And uh, that's basically, you know, that's basically what, what just came up for me because for me this program is about action. Um, you know, I don't, okay. I'm almost done, so that's, that's the first thing. The second quick thing is that someone just, uh, I'm like officially halfway, not 100% sure if I'm dating or not, but very just very quickly, someone recommended this girl to me, and it sounds like a pretty cool 
proposition that I may go through with or not. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen. I have no fears around this around this uh, story of, uh, of whether it's going to happen or not. I'll just finish very quickly with a very with a funny thing that when I started like going into this dating thing, I spoke to a member that in my home group that I respect, and he was telling me about that most old timers and anyone in recovery that got married did it. Um, they didn't tell the person that they're in recovery first, but the person who um, you know thought of this suggestion. She's in CODA. I actually helped her get a sponsor. And, uh, but basically, that's how God works. But basically, she um, told this girl that I'm involved with the 12 steps. She doesn't know what that means. And I'm, you know, giving back. You know, I, I got what I got out of it, and, and I'm giving back to others. Anyway, so um, I'm just hopeful. I'm so grateful uh, for exactly where I am in my life at this moment. And while life, there's, this book for me being a perfection, but I've come to accept exactly who I am for who, for who I am, and I've discovered my purpose in life, helping others. Thanks for letting me share.